Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. And welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about funding with purpose. And I'm excited to have Allie Sterling with me here today. And Allie is the president and founder of Allie Sterling Philanthropy, a national consulting firm that helps nonprofits, individuals, and families, foundations, and corporations meet their philanthropic goals and positively impact their communities. She has a little bit more than 25 years experience. And what was exciting is that she actually gauges this based on family. So I'm excited to hear about that too. She has been named the inaugural winner of the University of Toledo Family Business Center's Doing Right for the Future of Humankind Award. And I'm going to be asking her about that. That's exciting. And she serves on various local, regional, and national boards. She holds a master's degree from the University of Toledo and proudly teaches courses on women and entrepreneurship and corporate social responsibility at Bowling Green State University. My alum. I'm alum, so I'm excited about that. Published a book about her experiences in personal and professional barriers, being a female entrepreneur, and it's titled 37, The Year I Stopped Making Excuses, Embraced My Power, and Launched My Million Dollar Business. I'm excited to have her with me today, and I'm welcoming Allie Sterling. Hi, thank, Allie. Thank you, Shanda. It's so good to be with you. So great. Excellent. So the first thing, before I go into my questions I knew I was going to ask you, is this great award, Humankind Award, and can you tell me a little bit about that? That's exciting. Yeah, it's actually um, a, a lot. The word humankind was like one of those, oh my goodness, how can I ever live up to this? Why me? That imposter syndrome comes in, right? You know, when, yes. that, when these kinds of awards um, happen. So it was UT's opportunity, their Family Business Center decision to highlight some companies that were just doing some great things um, either for their employees, which was one of the other award winners. Um, in our situation, it was to recognize our work in training young board members, young professionals to serve on committees, on boards, and so kind of that ripple effect, if you will. And so I guess in that regard, um, it may be humankind, but yeah, it was really an honor. And I serve in that family business center and it's just, uh, I'm very passionate about it. So Excellent. Yeah, very blessed to really have a, a business center like mm-hmm. that and focused on, again, small businesses and legacy and, uh, and entrepreneurship, of course. So I've just got the sense that this is something you're passionate about. But can you talk about your passions and um, why they are? Yeah, you bet. You bet. So I think there's so many different ways to go about speaking to passion, um, whether it be personal or professional. Certainly, my th- I have three girls, and they are all passion projects of mine um, in different ways, right? Um, but, you know, I am passionate about raising them in a way that's consistent with um, who they are, but also with purpose. And so guiding them um, not too much, but not too little. And so we know how you know difficult that can be yes. sometimes. And mm-hmm. so certainly passionate about that. Passionate, I think, also around the notion of legacy, which you just mentioned a few minutes ago. That idea of, you know, 
as we relate to others around us who pass, I think through, you know, that future and, you know, what it is that I do today and what that might mean for others and, and really making sure as I, as I grow older that I'm doing things with intentionality um, and I'm making decisions that work into an overarching sort of framework that all, all really has to do with legacy. And, 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 you know, when we're gone, what it means to be able to say that we assisted or helped or made an imprint or left a fingerprint on something um, important to us and important to others. So that brings up right with funding with purpose and having an understanding and having purpose and understanding what that purpose is. And then possibly communicating that to others, which again, you're a leader in your field and you help other leaders with those kind of discussions. Can you describe a little bit about what that looks like when you're helping leaders with this type of philanthropic desires? Yeah, well, I love the way you, you know, kind of segued over to um, passion and purpose and then being able to package that in a way that's attractive to others if you are a nonprofit, right? So nonprofits looking for funding, those that are highly successful, I think have done a really good job of wrapping their arms around who they are, what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing passionately, articulately, and in a way that then is attractive to funders and that they have an alignment, a value alignment, right? Related to that. So it is, it's like, Fundraising can be complicated or it can be super simple. <laughs> you know, super simple is just, you know, we have these needs and these funders or donors have these interests. And the closer you can align the two together, that it can happen on its own. People always say, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to ask for money. Everyone's very afraid about asking for money. You don't always have to ask for money. If you do a really good job of presenting your case, and what your needs are and why, and then you um, are able to identify people and organizations, funders, who want to you know, meet those needs, if that's what they're looking at from a philanthropic goal perspective, that stuff happens on its own if you're doing a good job in both ways. I was wondering the steps to do that, because there may be individuals out here who say, you know, I've, I've wanted to raise money for a cause, uh, instead of just giving money to another cause, I, I also see that there's a number of, you know, just discussions about there might be too many nonprofits out there and there's only so many donor dollars. Can you speak to just what you're seeing trending and what that looks like? Yeah, so I think that uh, there are always probably too many uh, nonprofits, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I think if you believe that you can do something differently or better, go for it. You have the ability, just like we do as entrepreneurs, to start our own businesses because we think we can do something different and better, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I, I get that and I honor that. However, there's a scarcity sometimes of resources in, you know, if you're looking to, um, to be funded, you know, from grant resources and things like that. I'm not as, I actually am a, you know, a, come from a place of plenty versus scarcity, but there are just some hard numbers that dictate the ability to be successful. We know the failure rate for whether it be a for-profit or non-profit is high um, because there just are, there's so many competing for at that point, they're competing for small numbers of dollars because if you're a small emerging nonprofit, brand new, it is highly unlikely that you're going to attract the attention of a massive funder, right? And so you've got to stay the course then and you know have the financial 
fiscal, you know, uh, of accountability for a long period of time to get to that level of having that, you know, the, the, the strength of those resources coming in. So it's just, it's difficult. It does not mean that people shouldn't try, but I feel my firm believer, if you feel that you have an approach to something that exists, you know, see if there's a way that you can be an adjacent partner or a add value as a volunteer or a board member to a mission that already exists and that is really financially stable and has a great reputation. So um, we are just sometimes too fast to just want to do something on our own. And <laughs> there's like a there's a new nonprofit born like every 15 minutes according to the IRS. Really? So how many roughly do you know on a U.S. scale? Um, no, I, I'm not sure about that, but I know like locally for a community of our size, there's a roughly like 1,500 nonprofits, which is really high for a community our size, and and that's not including churches or other. This is you know more or less religious organizations, but true nonprofit social services, etc. So it's we yeah in our community we have an awful lot. So what do you suggest to leaders or how do you advise? Because again, they come, they hire your firm to say, help us mm-hmm. with our, with philanthropy and raising money for our cause. You know, what are you seeing trending from leaders? What kind of conversations? What do they look like when they start to come to you? Yeah, everyone wants to raise a whole bunch of money yesterday. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Does that surprise you at no, all? No, not at all. <laughs> um, or there, there's a deadline coming up that's tomorrow for a grant submission. Or um, yeah. So, uh, But truly, our philosophy as a firm is one of making our nonprofit clients investor ready. So that's a phrase we use a lot. You want to be investor ready, right? So if you're, if you think about us, and and um, if I came to you and I said, oh, Shandelia, can I ten dollars? Can I ten dollars for my cause? Yeah, you're probably gonna say yes to that. I ask you for a hundred. I ask you for a thousand. I ask you for ten thousand. The way you respond to my solicitation changes greatly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, what changes? Well, you might want to know more about the, you know, kicking the tires a little bit, right? right. So who's leading? The organization who's you know what other finances do you have what other revenue do you have who's who's on the board of the organization what's your strategic plan so the more money you want to raise the more you have to be investor ready you've got to be ready for those kinds of questions and you've got to have answers for that so that's why if, if you're talking small game 10 bucks at a time i mean that's a lot of ten dollars to equal hundred thousand dollar budget so you can see why a lot of small nonprofits fail because it's the quantity, it's a quantity game, which is just exhausting. Mm-hmm. So if we really want to create a sustainable fundraising you know, solution for your nonprofit and you and one that can scale as quickly as possible, as quickly as naturally and organically possible, you have to have an investor ready perspective. You have to have answers to things and you have to have your house in order. Um, because that's what donors expect. They are very, um, you know, sophisticated today, right? We have all these resources around us where we know how to um, how to research and how to assess from afar. So we just have to be ready in a way that I don't think things changed a lot in the last five years. I was going to say, with COVID, have you seen any different approaches to fundraising that? pre-COVID, it was different than what you're seeing now? Actually, in, in a really good way, we are seeing more solicitations happening um, than ever before from uh, without geographic boundaries. Hmm. So Zoom um, created, I think, a, it liberated uh, many development um, offices and development um, organizations and individuals to feel that they could actually cultivate and solicit via Zoom. 
that used to be a huge limitation for a small nonprofit in Toledo, Ohio, for example, and their constituents, you know, go south for the winter. They pretty much were like, well, I guess in March of next year, we'll start to see them again. And now it, there's, there's nothing like that. So I think that's been a, it's, it's been a wonderful game changer for nonprofits in a real positive way. That's awesome. Now, your company, very much like my company, is national. Are you seeing anything trending in different parts with your clients, different parts of the country? I know I do when I work with them. Do you see that as well? Uh, you know, we see, I think, board governance being something that um, has some trends. You know, I think there are different parts of the country that have look at boards as a little bit more high impact. Um, they're a little bit more hands-on. The experiences that their board members, you know, have commitment to shared governance and also to their role in the organization. I think we see in some centers of um, the country to be much more elevated than others. And so that's, I think, one thing that, you know, that we can bring some better practices of what we see in either it's not always bigger organizations actually at all it's just a level of when you pick leaders they tend to reproduce themselves sometimes right because one leader attracts another leader and then all of a sudden you have this board that's really ironclad around who they are what their role is and how they elevate that mission well it all boils down to leadership doesn't it it does, <laughs> which leads me to my next question for you is the characteristics of effective leaders. In your experience, what are the characteristics you've seen, especially in the field of philanthropy, mm. that are effective in mm-hmm. this space? I think integrity is the, the first one. Uh, I think without integrity, you got nothing, right? I mean, truly, you know, integrity you know, means a lot of different things, but it's, it's are you transparent? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you able to um, communicate in a way that people want to receive the mm. information you're giving them? And, and how do you live your life, mm-hmm. um, you know, inside and outside of the office? Um, so integrity, I think self-awareness is another one that's really important to me, at least, in, in our work and even how we select our clients. So we want to, to, to get a sense that that leader is self-aware enough of where they have their gaps, right? Yes. And, and how they need to surround themselves with people who can <laughs> augment their gaps. So that degree of self-awareness, I think, is a big one. And then I think ultimately it's energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 you know, there's a phrase I always like to say, which is highest energy wins. I believe that. Um, However, energy can be conducted in many different ways. And so, right, like from a cultural perspective, you feel an energy within a a group of people, within teams, within just, there's just a vibe that you understand and appreciate, or you don't, and it's just absent, you know? So I I think think energy is a, a big component. And I think as it relates to funding and fundraising, you want to be able to be desired. You want to be able to be that kind of person who donors are like, oh yeah, I do want to see you again. I do want that second cup of coffee. I, you know, there's just that connectivity. It's essential. I mean, it is a business that is um, no different than for-profit sales, right? You, you know, you're, you want people to, to, to want to be around you and vice versa. Excellent. I think the qualities that you mentioned with integrity and the energy, energy is both positive and there's negative energy as well. And especially for culture building, that's what we find too. It's so critically important. The leader, people look to the leader. There's a, there was a book out from years ago called The Dance of Anger, where if, yeah, it's a very good book. Great title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where individuals are 
And if one individual rises up and gets angry but is trying to entice the other person to engage with them, and, and then if they're happy, they're trying to get the other person to bring the energy level to be happy. And so I think you're speaking to the heart of positive energy can actually encourage positive energy. Contagious. Yes. <laughs> right In a good on. way. <laughs> okay. Contagious. How would you rank the importance of strength of that character? I think you mentioned it and you mentioned integrity and then the education experience to be able to do the fundraising, just being able to stay the course. So that's part of our pin leader, how we look at these three different categories. What are your thoughts on how you would rank them? As it relates to fundraising, so successful fundraising, I believe wholeheartedly you have to stay the course. So that is what we have seen over the years um, makes or breaks a department or an organization's success in fundraising. I understand why, you know, you take a small nonprofit, right? And you've got a leader who's wearing like a million hats. Yes. And so they're, they're wearing all these hats and then we're telling them, oh, but you need to do these five things this week related to fundraising. You need to reach out to these donors and make the call and put the coffee together and show them the case for support when, you know, they're also like, you know, unplugging the toilet, right? Because they're, they're wearing all of those hats. So I understand why staying the course doesn't happen, but I believe that it is the single most important factor for long-term sustainability as it relates to revenue. And so um, it, it's not enough to just have a good plan right Mm -hmm. we make strategic plans fundraising plans all day long all the time and the people who are successful are those that actually you know find a way to have an accountability partner around that plan they are executing it they're staying the course they're flexible enough you know to realize where they've made some mistakes or they have to recalibrate etc but I, i think that that's for me of the things that you mentioned i'd probably rank that highest excellent Well, I can't thank you enough today for coming on and just sharing these pearls of wisdom. And I know with the book, I'm so excited to read it and to get to know it and other publications that you'll be doing, hopefully in the future. (laughs) Uh, And so I thank you so much, Allie. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dr. Gore. It's been my pleasure. (laughs) Excellent. And so with that said, uh, please don't forget for the audience to subscribe and encourage others to listen in on the show, this particular show, especially if you're thinking about fundraising, if you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, do your research, do your research. And so until next time. The Pen Leader Podcast is hosted by Dr. Shanda Gore and brought to you by Mace and Associates LTD, creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader Podcast and share with others.